Good morning. Look to your neighbor and say, you made it. <laughs> you made it. This is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we are glad in it, even with one less hour of sleep. We made it, and God has allowed us to be here uh, in our right minds prayerfully, uh, and we are thankful We are thankful uh, for that. Um, I don't know, as Lauren mentioned earlier, this may be a first, second, third time, maybe sixth or seventh time. We've had that many services, right, thus far. Um, but, and you may be new to Jesus. You may be new to church. You may not be. This may be something you've grown up in and you're just kind of seeking and trying to figure out where you fit in. But if we for a moment can just, just think of the goodness of Jesus. Maybe you've tasted of the goodness of Jesus in your own life. And I want just collectively for us to offer up a thank offering to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you have ever experienced the goodness of him, you can respond accordingly. But Lord, we thank you this morning for just being good to us, for loving us, for caring for us, for waking us up this morning in our right minds. You've protected us another day. You've allowed us mercies and grace that have chased us down when we've not deserved it. And as the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, like newborn babies, we ought to crave spiritual milk and grow up in our faith. And God, I pray this morning that we would be just like newborns, that you'd give us a hunger and a desire. And if we already have one, that we would increase that desire. And if we don't, that you would create in us a craving for you and for your word, the spiritual milk by which we can grow up in our faith. God, we magnify you. We rejoice in the fact that we know you and we have the opportunity to live well here in the earth with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but every now and then, which for me is often, I like to think about the goodness of Jesus in my life. And when I do, it just changes perspective a little bit. If I was complaining, which I tell folks around me, don't let me, <laughs> I might have to dump a little every now and then. But if I am, God, help me to just think on your goodness and how good you've been. And that brings me right on back to who I am not and who he is and without him, who I'd be and where I'd be. Um, we can go home. On, no, um, that, that, that to me can preach every day, all day long, because it's truly only with him that we can have a life worth living here in this in this earth. Uh, to those I don't know, my name is Paul. It's a privilege to serve as pastor of this congregation, and it is great to see every single one of you here today, including those who are live streaming. It's great that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us this morning. We don't take for granted that you chose to be here. Um, I want to give a particularly special shout out to all of the volunteers. Everything that you see that occurs at Victory Church is a volunteer-based team, myself included. We don't have a traditional membership structure here at Victory, but we do uh, invite those to be in fellowship with Victory, and that occurs through three particular ways. One is attendance and worship on Sunday mornings as a corporate body. Secondly, it's through serving on one of our ministry teams. And thirdly, participating in a Victory group throughout the week. We don't have midweek service. We have our important Sunday moment where, according to Scripture, we don't forsake the fellowshipping of the saints together, but we leave the week open to get together in groups where you can get to know some folks, do life with some folks, eat with some folks, some good chicken and waffles, eat with some folks, whatever it is that you might eat and drink and pray with them and for them. And so we invite you to be in fellowship with Victory. And there's no starting or end point to that process. 
In fact, it's a recursive, it's an iterative process in that it doesn't end. You can enter at any point in time. We invite you on any one of those fronts to continue to be in fellowship with us where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. And that process, as simple as it is, purposefully, is creating a space simply for us to encounter God. We know it's not in the process. Nothing we create is going to work ourselves into any more grace of God that we already have through the work objectively on the cross of Christ, but prayerfully through the simple process, we can encounter him and see him do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Amen? Amen. We are glad to be here. Is there, is Kate Martin in the room? Where's Kate? She's out there. Sir. Okay, and Will, Ta- Will Taylor's here. Will, can you raise your hand? All right, so Lauren already mentioned that you can connect, and I can ask a number of folks to raise their hand, but I'm pointing one person out so you can see one person here today with whom you can connect about that discipleship process in ways that you might connect and ways that we might serve you and where you find yourself in this space called Charlottesville today because we would love to do that. That's why we are here. Today we're going to continue in our series entitled Reconcile to Each Other. And so if you would, turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 12 (coughs) through 14. Colossians, chapter 3, we'll look at verses 12 through 14. And as you're looking that up or looking on the screen, we'll just pray, Lord, help us today as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, and we'll read from the NIV. It reads, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, and dearly loved, I added that, that hour of sleep, <laughs> holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The title of the message today is Dressed to Win. Dressed to Win. I love to win, and I hope you love to win. I won't go there too much, but I'm coaching. I was just talking to somebody before service, and I, I said, I, I, I love what you do off the field and the court, and it's great. I'm going to praise you, but man, let's win too. And I love to win. And this text and the message today is twofold in that we can win ourselves in that we can bear the image of God better one day than we did the previous day, and as such, grow closer to the Lord Jesus. And we can win others through our bearing his image particularly well. In fact, this coming October, which I know is not tomorrow, it's how my brain works sometimes, Jared Green, a really good friend of mine, alum of UVA, played football here back in the day, is going to come and actually speak with us about what it looks like to tell our story in a way that wins others to Christ. But that's October. Two weeks from today, we are going to spend more time on what it looks like to live in community and how together as a community we can win together, and we can win as it relates to bridging the gap that can so easily divide us, that we find divides us particularly easy in the culture and the society we call Charlottesville, Virginia, America, Western civilization, if you will. We want to be dressed to win, living authentically in community as God would desire. I love community. I do. And if it were not for time constraints and money, if I'm honest, we probably have people over for dinner every single night. 
because we love community that much. And even as that came out of my mouth, I know that my wife is probably thinking, not every night. <laughs> uh, she helps me. I'm the extrovert in the family, so there is some personality preference to that too, and that I can hang out and eat and spend time with folks all the time. For Taylor, my beautiful bride of 13 years, that might look like a cup of coffee and a book and nobody else <laughs> in the room but she and Jesus, and that's all the community that might be needed for that day. And to that, day, to that end, I'm actually helped in that regard because I think it helps me balance out the discussion of community and what it looks like. But suffice it to say, I love community. And one of the places that I find community, and maybe you do too as well, is at the gym. Maybe it's inadvertent. You go there and you don't go with anybody, but you see the same people at the same times. This community kind of built. Maybe you have a workout partner, so naturally there's some community being built as you work out. You talk about each other's day, etc. Or maybe you are in a class with folks who, if you're not there, they're texting you. There's community being built there, and there's a diversity even in that community, is there not? If you go to the gym, you have the, you have the crowds, the gym selfie crowd, right? Like you have that crew, which I'm not hating. If that's you, it's all we are in the house together. Uh, I have some gym selfie crowd. It's okay. Or you might be the, the gym. One of my buddies loves to do his motivational minutes from the gym. So he's in the corner recording his video. All right, there's community on that front. Or like the group that I've now become a part of that I can't believe that I've become a part of because for so long I thought I would never be that. The high-fiving group class, folks. You're, right? I'm, I'm in a class that, now this is a sidebar that is not in the notes at all, but in a class now I love twice a week, and every time at the end of the class, it's almost like slow-mo when the, when the instructor, who's an old basketball coach, is one of the reasons why I love it. He makes me feel like I'm in high school again going through practice, but he comes around high-fiving, and I'm like, it's me. I'm, <laughs> I'm that guy. So you, you have all of these communities is what, I'm, is what I'm saying in the gym, but then there's this other sort of observation. You see a lot of things, you hear a lot of things at the gym. People wear whatever different things. There's like the Lululemon crew that can walk through the gym, right? There's me who wears old school, late 90s UVA basketball practice shorts that I still have to the gym with whatever t-shirt, usually a victory one that I can find. There are the cutoff pants crew. You get the idea. But every now and then there's the slacks and sneakers crew or khakis, right? And I, they might be in here, so I won't go. I'll go easy. Uh, I used to chuckle like y'all are chuckling right now a lot, and I still do, actually. But I chuckle less because I've had moments myself <laughs> when I've gotten to the gym, we've gotten the kids off to school, and getting to the gym is an accomplishment in and of itself. And then I get to my locker, go in the bag, and I look in my bag, and I see no shoes. Basketball shoes were left out for whatever reason. Shorts were left out for whatever reason. And I say I've got some loafers. Some basketball socks and shorts, I'm going to get on an exercise bike and get it in. <laughs> so I chuckle a little bit less when I see that, or I'm not a swimmer at all, but I will hop in the pool and get my heart rate up if I have to. But the truth is, I think about all of us, whether it's the gym or otherwise, we might leave the house not dressed as we would want to be dressed, and maybe we'll get a workout in. I still get something done, but it's nothing like being in Chris Collins's class and what I could get from that space when I'm there consistently twice a week. More importantly than all of that, we can leave the house not dressed in the kind of attire that God would want us to put on to reconcile ourselves to him and to each other. And there are implications for that. And so this text is communicating to us to get dressed, 
to be clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience so that we are not just seeing some progress without striving, but we are really seeing the kind of reconciliation that only God can do in and through us. Verse 12 begins with the word, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And when we see a therefore in scripture, we want to know what it is. We want to know what it's there for. And in this text, we can go to the previous verse in verse 11, where it says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, even when society would in its own way condition us unconsciously, subconsciously, however you want to describe it, to treat individuals or groups of individuals a certain way. When God, who did not do that, didn't discriminate based on zip code, race, color, gender, etc., but John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whomever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting Life. Therefore, as his chosen people, holy and dearly loved are we all, clothe yourselves then with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In other words, get dressed. If we want any chance at all of seeing some reconciliation with each other, we need to get dressed. And this text adds a step, and we're adding steps throughout the month and certainly for the rest of our lifetime from Scripture that can be our roadmap to seeing the kind of reconciliation God intends for us to experience here. Does not the Lord's Prayer say, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And so, yes, my granddaddy sang all the time, one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Having grown up in a completely different, sort of completely different era, that was sort of the cry, and I say, God... I hear that and I respect it and appreciate it and I am glad that I have understanding from whence that came. But as I pray that prayer, help me in this generation as he did and my parents did in theirs to pass the baton a little further down the field and seeing your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me to get dressed. And if we can zoom out just momentarily, and I'll come back to that space in a minute, just to provide more context for the book of Colossians, which for some may be new. Um, it's in the New Testament. It's written by a gentleman named Apostle Paul, who's an incredible uh, man of faith. And the purpose of this book writ large is to address some of the growing false teaching in the very young church there at Colossae. Pretty new, up and coming and some of the issues that began to arise were issues like ceremonialism, which included really strict rules about what was permissible in terms of food and drink. It was asceticism, which has to do with like self-denial. There was secret knowledge, Gnosticism. There was a reliance on human wisdom and tradition. And all of these are starting to infiltrate the church. And the overarching piece of it really was that there was a depreciation and a devaluing of the person and the work of Christ. How many know whether we're Colossae or Charlottesville, it's a pretty dangerous thing when we misappropriate trust and we misappropriate reverence that belongs to Jesus Christ. You can fill in the blank, I can in my own life, of what that might look like. Maybe it's not the church at Colossae for you, but in some way, shape, or form, if we're not careful, we can go down that slippery slope. And so here the Apostle Paul, in the first two chapters of Colossians, 
is exalting Christ as the very image of God, the creator, the one mediator between God and human beings. And he's exercising his, uh, his authority as apostle to call the church back to the truth of the gospel, which is that salvation is through Christ alone. That's what the Apostle Paul is ultimately getting at. But chapter 3 now, he starts to get more into sort of the practical implications of this truth. Like, don't go to the gym with slacks and shoes, truth, right? Like, let's get to where you are and help me help you to live well where you are. And he begins in verse 1 by saying, if we've been raised with Christ, then we are to set our hearts on the things above and not on earthly things. He goes further and says, we need to take off our old self with all of its practices, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of our creator. Romans 6 and 4 says it this way. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. And every day we're dying daily to ourselves, are we not? So that he can live in and through us. And part of that is recognizing that there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. Verse 11 says, but Christ is all and is in all, period. And I think we can all say amen to that, can we not? Now, the Apostle Paul is really amazing to me, Taylor, for so many reasons. Different Taylor, wife Taylor, friend Taylor. He is good at, masterful even, at including, uh, he does this in Romans, also chapter 10, uh, also over in Galatians 3. He does it particularly well because he's sharing in very truthful fashion that in Christ, there are none of these divisions. They don't exist We've all been given the one spirit to drink, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says. But his very mentioning of the categories, Jew, Greek, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, I think is instructive in that he's acknowledging the lived experience of theirs to date. While simultaneously then inviting them into a new space, a space that the kingdom represents. He's saying in verse 11, here, here in the kingdom there's no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised and so forth like you have experienced in the world. I see you. I hear you. I acknowledge that and I get how your experience has been framed and totally shaped by said experience. And I see how messed up man has made the ultimate plan of God. We talked about John 3.16 and that all were died for. Died for. Matthew 11.28 says it this way. Come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I see how we have completely messed it up. We've created structures and systems that allow us to come up with some really bizarre outcomes, like uh, uh, somebody being paid less because of their identity, having nothing to do with skill set, qualifications, or whatever. I see how access. I'm talking about us today, not just Colossae. In our space, access has been denied, entry completely cut off, barriers put in place because of nothing else but a demographic layer. I see how we've messed up. So the mentioning even of the categories by the Apostle Paul, I believe and suggest to you, says we too ought to see and acknowledge the lived experiences with which we come to Jesus Christ and simultaneously with the dress that we're going to talk about in a moment, invite 
each other across the bridge of such divisions into a kingdom that knows no division and knows no barriers. What am I saying and what do I believe the Apostle Paul here is saying? We don't minimize to the point of disregarding the experience with which one comes to the table. In fact, we listen really well because we want to then say this is how the gospel can meet you where you are and transform everything about which what man has jacked up. Can we say amen to that? I'm getting excited, which is why I'm holding on to this, because God is increasingly saying to me, Paul, and I'm going to go back to the scripture. This is my own testimony. Paul, if there is going to be transformation here in the city of Charlottesville, there's not necessarily needing now a tone deaf or a deaf ear to be turned, but even more of a listening ear so that people, you even can see how my word comes right to where you are and says in the midst of, I'm still God. Some of you sitting here today maybe even have in the church, dare I say, seen an image bearer of God not bear it so well. And to date, there's still hurt. There's still pain. There's still distrust based off of that. And to you, I say, God, help us see that you are still true, that you are still right. You might feel like you've had the short end of a stick based on nothing that you've done, but maybe based on some cultural dynamics that surround you. And to you, I say, God sees He knows and he cares and he is still God. And to that end, he's seeking. He's roaming the earth, literally. 2 Chronicles 16 and 9 says, looking for whose hearts are committed to him. Those who bear his image well. And he says, I'm going to strengthen that heart. While simultaneously looking to God's word for how it should be and doing our best in our generation to invite people into his kingdom. God, I pray we represent well. Here at Victory Church, if you didn't know, we are people who want to see folks reconciled to God and each other. He's called us to live in community with each other, and to the extent that we can, we will not be a stumbling block for you. But can I tell you, I'm going to offend you sometime. You're going to get mad at me at some point. Now, I pray that those moments are few and far between and that there is no incredulous, incredible biblical error that causes stumble. But there's going to be something, preference or otherwise, Ray, that you're going to be like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Fall. So we do our best in this space to point to Jesus. And that way you don't get mad at me. You get mad at him. I'm out of it. (laughs) Right? Like, that's the deal. Amen. He is true. He is real. Therefore, back to the, and we've been in the text. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Hashtag get dressed. Get dressed. Last year, I was invited to speak to a group of uh, counselors in training uh, in Arizona. And I've been in Arizona a few times. One time in particular, I got off the plane. Will, it was 11 o'clock at night and it was 110 degrees when I got off the plane and somebody had the nerve to say, it's dry heat. I was like, bro, it's hot. (laughs) I don't know, dry heat, wet. I'm sweating. I'm hot. It's 110 degrees at 11 o'clock. So I Zoomed that meeting that year. (laughs) And I'm going to do it again in a couple of weeks. Same group. And we're going to Zoom again. But I was talking to this particular group of students. A friend of mine who works there said, Paul, can you talk to these students about cultural competence? I said, okay, cultural competence. Sure. What do you need? Okay, just talk to them for an hour. Just give some examples. Da, da, da. So I'm talking to them, and I got a question in this hour from one of the students that said, hey, uh, you know, Dr. Harris, um, have you ever experienced, like, you know, disconnect with a teacher or an administrator or a parent? Um, and if you have, how did you cross those barriers? How did you deal with that disconnect? Uh, and so I said, um, paraphrasing, 
kind of like the sky is blue, right? Like disconnect any space, even in the church, sorry to disappoint, where human beings occupy, there's going to be some disconnect, unless Irene, somebody's lying, which is what I like to say when I do work with couples in particular. I'm like, it's good to get along, but if everybody's getting along all the time, somebody ain't telling the truth. And we here at Victory Church and in the body of Christ more broadly ought to be able to tell the truth. How many know, and this is another sidebar, which means I'm not going to get halfway through this message, and that's okay. The strongest bonds you will probably have, certainly in my own life, are those where we can tell each other the truth authentically and work through that truth. Can the married couples at least say amen to that? We done been through some stuff. But the love has grown and gotten a whole lot deeper because you went through some stuff and was able to say some things that were truthful and maybe hurt at times. And ah, Not saying go and blow up everything at your job tomorrow looking around. Who's lying, right? We're getting along too well. <laughs> that would be a little weird. Uh, you want to have some grace in how you bring certain things up. But it is to say there's disconnect all around us. And so I would said to those students that I was talking to, parents, teachers, administrators, whoever I'm working with, and I worked in the schools for a bit. I didn't include that. Some of you know that. Some of you don't as a high school counselor and uh, disconnect all around. But it was always on my mind how I was serving the student. So there was some enduring that had to occur. There was some forbearance that had to occur with stakeholders that maybe there was a bigger gap for some and then others. But on behalf of the student, for the sake of the student, Lord, help me get dressed. I'll spare you the details because I imagine you live life like I do and have moments you're thinking of right now. Forgive him, her? Oh, no. <laughs> they can go somewhere. Maybe that's just me. Y'all get real in your own quiet time somewhere else. But if we kept it real, we have those moments like I ain't crossing over nothing to get to nobody. Forgive, forbear? No. And yet, on behalf of the students, that's what we were called to do. And similarly, Apostle Paul in this space is essentially saying, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your loved one who hasn't met Jesus, put the ego somewhere. Get dressed. For the sake of my student's success, I was going to endure, forgive as needed. I was going to love as well as I could love. Paul is masterful. He mentions what he knows causes such division, not denying the reality of their imperfect life histories with which they were undoubtedly still grappling as we are today. We can't and we will not ignore any of that just because we've come into church, but we'll look to scripture to help us speak to it and then invite into this new space as I am inviting you today for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the loved one who might need Jesus more than you need your ego. For the sake of the coworker who might be cynical even about the church because they've struggled to really see anybody bear his image well. For the sake of your neighbor who feels like the church has become tone deaf to the issues that are being faced by so many. Hashtag get dressed. Therefore, verse 12 says, given that there is no Greek or Jew and from verse 11, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free in Christ. We, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, can clothe ourselves with compassion. I grew up on the King James Version of the Bible. I use the NIV now, but I can't help but when I'm memorizing scripture, like I go back to how I learned it with the these and the thou's. And that scripture in the King James Version references the bowels of mercy. 
I mean, the King James has a way of saying some things. We say compassion makes more sense, but the bowels of mercy is essentially what it's getting at. Deep down in your intestines, from there, let some love and mercy emanate. And that can only come when there's a connection to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not superficial, oh, that's so, so, I'm so, ah, which can be more sympathy than empathy, another conversation, but from a deep bowel space of mercy, God, help me to dress with compassion, kindness, humility, lowless of mind, recognizing I am nothing without him. Everything about me, everything that I think I can do or will accomplish, God, I know it's because of you. Galatians 5 and 26 says it this way. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Philippians 2 also says something about that as well. Gentleness, meekness as it is sometimes called, which does not mean weakness, by the way. That's another conversation about there's nothing weak about our Lord and Savior. So it's not about being weak or about being a doormat. Be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves, Scripture also says. But being meek, being gentle and patient, long-suffering, steadfasting, forbearing. My admonishment to us all this morning clearly is to get dressed. And maybe a part two would be like uh, Andy Minio, if anybody listens to some Christian rappers, right? Like, you don't have to stay ready. What do you say? You don't, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready, right? Uh, Look it up. Andy Minio is a good rapper. Anyways, uh, that'll be the part two. We want to get dressed and then we want to stay dressed. He then says in verse 13, to bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances we may have against one another. We can forgive as the Lord forgave us. And then over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And bearing with each other, according to the original Greek translation of the New Testament, It includes enduring. We've used that word. It includes enduring with one another, suffering with each other. I talk about our victory groups, and we'll come back to that more detail in a couple of weeks. But that's a space and a more intimate space where we can do just that. We celebrate with each other, but then we endure with each other. We suffer with each other. We cross those gaps with each other in an authentic and meaningful way. We hold each other up, seeking to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, Ephesians 4 and 3. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to make peace, not just keep peace and have an absence of tension. But we, we, we seek to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace and forgiving, which in the Greek means to grant as a favor, to pardon or to rescue, which means this is one of those parts where you get mad at God, not me, that we don't harbor any malice against the person who has caused an offense. I don't have to duck. And we are ready to do him or her good as if they had not given us reason for complaint. I'm praying right now for me on that one. And that we are able or we are to be willing to forgive them when they ask. And that we are always to treat them kindly as if they had not offended us. To which, if you won't even say out loud, you're probably thinking, Paul, you've gone too far now. And truth be told, that is too far for me and for you. But based on our understanding of Scripture and bearing his image well, God is calling us a bit higher. Salt of the earth, Scripture says, light of the world, which means we don't blend in. 
Just as God treats us when he forgives, he forgave us freely without hesitation and entirely. Again, it doesn't mean we are a doormat. Do not hear that from what I'm saying. Above all this, though, verse 14 says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 1 Corinthians 13, for lack of time, I'll say go and read it. It says something a little bit about love. That even when we possess all the gifts and we do all the good deeds and we do community service all around the city without love, which has to equate to God because God is love, then it amounts to nothing. The enemy was trying to do all he could to create disunity at the church of Colossae. And he will attempt to do the same with you and me. We can, to some extent, expect him to come and try to disrupt our marriage. To some extent, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, heck, even in the church on our ministry teams, there's an expectation to some extent that we can have that he's going to try and do that. But the good news is, as we conclude, is that God has already purchased the clothes that we ought to put on. Over 2,000 years ago, he purchased the clothes when he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace, the punishment that we should have gotten, it was on him took it to the cross, died the most excruciating and painful death one could ever imagine. Crown of thorns on his head. Talk about being abused in the culture of the day, doing to someone they shouldn't do. He experienced it, took on flesh to experience it like you and me. Died for you and me and didn't stop there. Thank you, Lord, for not stopping there. But on the third day, got up from the grave. We just got into Lent season. There's something about his resurrection That ought to make all of us quicken a little bit or get a little bit, some chills, if you will, because it's that same resurrection power that lives in and through us today. Power to reconcile, power to be compassionate, power to be kind, power to be humble, power to be gentle, power to be patient, power to overcome, power to heal, power to love, power to reconcile, power to be that which on your own you could not be. He purchased those clothes for us. So I'm not asking you to leave here and strive in and of your own good doings and well-intentioned ideas and rationale. We can come up with a lot and there's merit to those. I love to do the same in my own research endeavors. But unless God fills, the human spirit and effort will always fail. And it's through the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the dress that he's purchased for us that we can win. We can win. We can win together and we can win those not sitting here today not wanting to sit here today, maybe live streaming for the first time, thinking I might want to tiptoe someday, we can win. Because all my God and your God, our God, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ knows how to do is win. Can we say amen to that? We are here to get dressed. And I ask you on this week even, tomorrow, wake up thinking, who might I grant favor to today? Who might need to see what it looks like for somebody not to think so highly of themselves? Who in my sphere of influence as I step into this meeting might need me to endure with them, to suffer with them, to not look down and say, oh, poor little Johnny, but maybe to get down in there and say, let me feel a little bit of what it's felt like to live here in the city of Charlottesville for you. Or just to have lived in your skin and grown up in New York or Texas or wherever you came from. How might that be? Who might want and need for you to do that? Not so you can get a pat on the back, you're so nice and kind, but know that they would see Jesus. And that they would look at the world in its very real sense in the disparities and the oppression and the marginalization of a few and the privileging of others and say, I get that, but I see different in you. 
I see different in the church as God called us to be. That's why we are here. That's why God said, plant Victory Church. That's why he said, come alongside the other churches in Charlottesville, all seeking to advance the kingdom of God, but with this unique smell and fragrance that comes off of you as it relates to reconciliation across divisions that the world so readily enforces and perpetuates and watch God demolish by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close. But God is good, and he called us to represent him. And where he is, darkness has got to flee. And in our generation, I, I, I see, you see, we observe, I get God. We may be passing the baton on without having seen the fullness of it. I get that. And we won't until we get to heaven. I get that. But our stewardship of the ministry of reconciliation is as such that we want to give it to my children in a spot that says, okay, God, I, I saw you through my mom and dad. I saw you through uncle and auntie so-and-so. I saw you through my coworker. You're real, even though we fall short every single day. And with that, bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we have this opportunity to put on clothes that you purchased for us over 2,000 years ago. And today we come afresh and repent, myself being the first in line for the ways in which I have not put on those clothes. The ways in which I have succumbed to even some of the cultural uh, uh, trappings or the cultural trends to, to perpetuate things that are completely antithetical, opposite of who you are. Not unlike the church at Colossae, not unlike so many of whom we read about in Scripture. Lest we throw stones from a glass house, God, we repent. I repent today and ask you to come in afresh to my life, to our lives, so that we can dress well and get the workout we really need. We can dress well and we can see something happen in our community that without you couldn't on our own. We can see reconciliation with each other. With eyes closed and heads bowed, you might be sitting here, you might even be live streaming, and you're thinking, I have never offered my life to the one you speak of. I've tried on my own, and it hasn't gone well. And today, I want to give up. <laughs> I want to give up my will in exchange for Jesus' will in my life, and I want to experience his power. If that is you, raise your hand really high so we can pray with you. I see that hand. Once that hand is up, you can put it down. For those who have raised their hand and perhaps live streaming today, pray this prayer with me. Lord, I thank you for loving me better than I could ever love myself. I thank you for dying for me. I confess today with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And today, I choose to turn away from everything the Bible calls sin and to follow your roadmap all of my days. I choose today to get dressed. Help me to do that well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, as Laura mentioned, we'd love to connect with you and you with us. Tell somebody. It doesn't have to be everybody in the building, but tell somebody about the decision that you made today that is 
will transform your life. And to that end, I reference living in community, we want to be a part of how God will transform your life. We believe we are his hands and feet and want to serve you in that way. What do I mean by that? This journey is just that. It's a journey, and we need each other. So we want to help with those next steps in that journey together because we all need Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, there's a scripture in Luke, and I'm going to mess up the chapter and verse, so I won't go there. Uh, But it says that when one person gives their life to Christ, the angels in heaven rejoice. I don't know about you, but I don't want the angels to be alone. So as I leave the stage, can we rejoice with the angels for the ones who gave their lives to Christ today? Hand clapping, lifting your voice, saying thank you, Lord, for the decision that's been made today. Worship team.